This is episode number 251 with Terrorai Trent. Welcome to the Melissa Ambrosini Show. I'm your host, Melissa, best-selling author of Mastering Your Mean Girl and Open Wide. And I'm here to remind you that love is sexy, healthy is liberating, and wealthy isn't a dirty word. Each week, I'll be getting up close and personal with thought leaders from around the globe, as well as your weekly dose of motivation so that you can create epic change in your own life and become the best version of yourself possible. Are you ready, beautiful? Just a quick little reminder that if you want to listen to my episodes one day earlier than they are released anywhere else, you have to download the app Himalaya and follow my show. Himalaya is free, super easy to use, and has every podcast you can think of. I love that you can leave comments under each episode and even create episode playlists. So make sure you check it out today. Dr. Terai Trent was named by Oprah as her all-time favorite guest and received a $1.5 million donation to rebuild her childhood elementary school in recognition of her tenacity and never-give-up attitude. With the firm belief that education is the pathway out of poverty, and a desire to give back to her community, Terrai founded Terrai Trent International. Through strategic partnerships with Oprah and Save the Children, her mission to provide universal access to quality education while also empowering rural communities is now being realized. 11 schools are being built in Zimbabwe and education has been improved for over 5,000 children so far. And this is only the beginning. Currently an adjunct professor in mentoring and evaluation in global health, she is also a senior consultant with more than 18 years of international experience in program and policy evaluation. She has worked on five continents for major humanitarian organizations, as a fellow at the Center of AIDS Prevention Studies and has conducted research on HIV prevention with a special focus on women and girls. She won an award for outstanding literary work for her latest book, The Awakened Woman. She is invited to speak all over the world to share her remarkable story and valuable lessons she has learned along the way. She was a keynote speaker at the UN Global Compact Leaders Summit, where she used her growing voice to appeal to international businesses to invest in equal access to quality education. Leading the global change in the fight for quality education for all children and women's rights, she has become a symbol of hope for everyone and living proof that anything is possible. And in today's episode, we chat about her incredible story from being a child bride in a small Zimbabwe village to one of the world's most recognizable voices in women's empowerment and education. The big question that changed her entire life, how she fed her children from a trash can in America, the great hunger that drives us forward, how to achieve your dreams even if they seem a thousand percent impossible, how to avoid passing on negative stories from your past or from previous generations to our children, the biggest thing that gives meaning to your life, 
how to get back up when you hit a road bump or a quote-unquote failure, the power of rituals, how to make an impact in the world and the best way that we can help, what she attributes her success to, what's bringing her the most joy right now, how she has cultivated wisdom and self-awareness, the importance of staying a student for life, the one book that she would put in the school curriculum of every high school, plus so much more. And for everything that we mention in today's episode, you can check out in the show notes, and that is over at melissaambrosini.com forward slash 251. But before we dive into this epic conversation, I want to read the review of the week. And this week, it comes from Claudia Janine, and it's a five-star review, and it's titled, By Far My Favorite Podcast. And Claudia says, I love the variety of aspects Melissa covers and her holistic approach and guest speakers. I have learned and applied so much from these episodes, especially parts of my health I never even considered before, like the effects of hormonal birth control. I can genuinely say that this podcast, along with Mastering Your Mean Girl, has helped me grow to be a more patient person that chooses love over fear more and more every day. I've also gained a lot of insight into myself, my relationship, and my goals for my career along the way. Something I've recently struggled with is feeling lost after just graduating university and going into full-time work. It was really comforting and promising hearing in the latest episode on how to turn your passion into profit that these experiences are universal. I also love how each episode provides me with something I can apply straight away. Thank you so much, Claudia, for that beautiful, heartfelt and in-depth review. I'm so grateful and love hearing what you are getting out of it. And I love hearing what's really resonating with you. So thank you so much, Claudia. I'm so grateful for your review. And don't forget that if you want to be the review of the week for next week, all you have to do is head to your app or head to iTunes and leave that five-star review right now. And now, without further ado, let's dive in to this epic conversation with Dr. Terai Trent. Terai, welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you here. But before we dive in, can you tell us what you had for breakfast this morning? Oh, this morning was beautiful. I had my my yoga as part of my breakfast because I always think that feeding my physical body with yoga is a spiritual thing that I always love to do. And then after that, I had my yogurt. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I love it. Yoga and yogurt. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Now, the work that you do is absolutely incredible and your story is incredible. So can you take us back and tell us your story and how you got to where you are today doing the work that you now do? Like, how did this all unfold for you? You know, I always tell my story as I reflect back to my great-grandmother who I always describe she was born in a race that she was running and holding this baton 
the baton of poverty, the baton of early marriage, the baton of illiteracy. And she runs with that baton and she hands it over to my grandmother. My grandmother grabs that baton of a colonial system that never respected her as a woman, a patriarchal system that devalued her. And she runs with that baton. She hands it over to my mother. My mother grabs that baton of illiteracy, the baton of poverty. She hands it over to me. And I find myself having four children by the age of 18 without a high school education with nothing and living in this abusive relationship. And I realized I was running a race that I never defined. And I wanted to drop that baton and change the trajectory of my life and that of my children. So when we gained our independence, we all of a sudden we had all these Western uh, women coming to our communities, our rural communities. I was born during Rhodesia, and today the country is Zimbabwe. So when we gained independence, we are now in Zimbabwe. These women were coming, and there was one particular woman who came And she asked me one question, what are your dreams? No one in my life had asked me that question. And I'm looking at her and I am thinking, me, poor marginalized woman, am I supposed to dream? And I kept quiet. And she said, please tell me, what are your hopes? And when I opened my mouth, I became a chatterbox and I told her, I want to go to America. I want to have an undergraduate degree. I want to have a master's and I want to have a PhD. And she looked at me and she said, yes, if you believe in your dreams, they are achievable. And I thought she's crazy for her to even think that I can go to America. (laughs) I can have all these degrees. So I ran to my mother and I said, I met someone who made me believe in my dreams. And that was music to my mother's ears. And it was a different reaction from what I had received from the women who were sitting in the same circle when this stranger asked that question, what are your dreams? Because when I asked that question, there was silence and I could feel the other women saying, how can you even think of that? You are expecting your number five child. You have no high school education. You live in an abusive relationship, let alone dreaming of going to America. You must be crazy. So to hear my mother saying, yes, if you truly believe in what this stranger has said to you and you work hard, not only are you defining who you are as a woman, but you are also defining every life that comes out of your womb and generations to come. And I realized in that moment that my mother was handing me an inheritance. She was handing me wisdom. So my mother said, write down those dreams and bury them the same way we bury the birth cord or the umbilical cord. I come from a culture where when a child is born, the female elders of the village, the ones that I call the ones who hold the memories of who we are, they would take that child and snip out 
the umbilical cord and tie the umbilical cord in an old piece of cloth and bury that with the belief that wherever this child goes, whatever happens to them, the umbilical cord or the birth cord will always remind them of their birthplace. So my mother said, write down your dreams and bury them. And I did. And I had only four dreams going to America, undergraduate, master's and PhD. So my mother said, would you mind to read back what I had written? And when I did, my mother said, Tererai, I want you to remember this. Your dreams in this life will always have greater meaning when they are tied to the betterment of your community. I looked at my mother. I had no idea what she was talking about. And my mother was a very quiet woman. She saw doubt in my eyes and she repeated the same thing. Your dreams in this life will have greater meaning when they are tied to the betterment of others. I would end up writing my fifth dream. When I'm done, I want to come back and improve the lives of women and girls in my community. So the girls, they don't have to go through what I had gone through, being married at a young age, being exchanged for a cow, because it's part of the so-called culture. And I buried those dreams. And it would take me eight years for me to achieve my high school education. I say eight years of failing, eight years of never giving up, but eight years of achieving that high school education. We were still under the British system of education where I would do correspondence because I couldn't fit into a classroom. I was an old mother, and so I would write my exams and mail them to this place called Cambridge. I had no idea where Cambridge was, and it would take six months for the results to come back from Cambridge, and they would always come back in a brown envelope. And I would go to that rural post office, open that brown envelope, and I realize I have a U ungraded. I have an F failure. I go back to my mother and I said, I have failed. My mother was a subsistence farmer. She would sell mangoes, groundnuts, whatever she would find, and give me enough to sign up for two classes. I needed five classes, but my mother could not afford money for five classes. So I'll take two classes at a time. And I write again and wait another six months. The brown envelope comes. I open it and I have a U ungraded, a failure. I go back to my mother and now I'm crying, mother. And my mother said, we don't give up on this one. We don't give up. I'm going to sell more groundnuts. Up until eight years, I opened that brown envelope. I have an A, I have a B. I have managed to get all my five subjects. And I applied to come to Oklahoma State University, found myself at Oklahoma State University. But before that, my grandmother and my mother, they would always say, Tererai, go to this place where I had buried my dreams. Sit down and make mental images as though you have already achieved your dreams. So I would visualize myself getting into an aeroplane and I'd never been in an aeroplane. 
the only plane that I knew were the war helicopters that used to come during the war time. And I would see that war helicopter as, a, as an aeroplane, get into that aeroplane, find myself a seat, fly to this place called America, arrive at this place called Oklahoma State University. I visualize the tall buildings. I see myself holding books, walking into the classroom, visualize myself achieving that undergraduate, achieving that master's, and then on to my PhD. The day I received that letter that said I had been accepted at Oklahoma State University and the day that I now went into that aeroplane, boarded that aeroplane, there was this deja vu like I've been here before. I took my classes at Oklahoma State University. It was difficult. My English was very poor. I had never been in a big city and let alone America. And later on, I brought my kids to America. I didn't have a scholarship. I would work three jobs, taking 18 hours of coursework and taking care of the babies. It was the most difficult period of my life, but I knew I was on a journey never to hand that baton to my girls. There's a story that I always share. Three months after the kids arrived, their gums were bleeding and I realized they were missing the fruits and vegetables because in Africa you can grow your fruits and vegetables. The vegetables, we eat vegetables in the morning, we eat vegetables in the afternoon, we eat vegetables in the evening as part of our diet. And now I am in America, I am working in these restaurants and I'm feeding my kids French fries and hamburgers. I went to the university. I said, it's one thing for me to pursue my dream, but it's another when I see my own kids suffering. I'm about to give up. I'm about to give up. The university said, well, we can help you. Usually there are these stores, they sell fruits and vegetables, but sometimes at the end of the day, they throw away those that are going bad. And I hope you don't mind washing them and feed your kids. And I said, I don't mind. We went to the store. The store manager says, well, you know, in this country, if I give you these fruits and vegetables that are going bad, and if you consume them, or if anything happens to your kids after consuming them, you might end up suing us. And I am now crying and looking at this store manager. And I said, I have no dime to sue anyone. Please help me. I need to feed my kids. The store manager looked at me and I could see tears in his eyes. And he said, well, I'm going to put the, the food in a cardboard box and make sure that you come and pick that cardboard box. I'm not going to hand over the cardboard box in your hands. Uh, we will place it outside near the trash can. Four o'clock, you come and pick your cardboard box with fruits and vegetables. 90% of the time, I was late to that cardboard box, and I would find the fruits and vegetables are already inside the trash can and some of the fruits have already spilled over 
into the dirty trash can and I would grab everything, wash, feed my kids, ask myself, who am I to complain that my kids are eating fruits and vegetables from a trash can when I know there are thousands, if not millions of children out of sub-Saharan Africa who are living on the streets and eating from dirty trash cans. At least the American trash can, someone is washing it. Who am I even to complain that I live in Oklahoma in a trailer house and it's dilapidated and sometimes when it's raining, I find myself in a corner with the kids cringing and afraid the tornado will come and take everything. But who am I to complain when I know there are women in America and in many Western world who are homeless without any shelter? At least I can see the end of the tunnel. There's a bright light. You know, I always ask the question about what really made me to sacrifice and say, I'm running and I'm going to achieve my dreams. Two things, the fear of passing on that baton. And I always encourage women, you have to identify your own baton. What is it? Do you want to pass it on to the next generation? Because in that baton, it carries a lot of emotional wounding that I call soul wounding. And in those soul wounding, if we are not careful as women, we'll pass on those wounding to our children and to the next generation. I didn't want that. The next thing that grounded me, I had hunger. I took off two kinds of hungers in our life. There is the little hunger. The little hunger is all about immediate gratification. I want this, I want that. It's all about how many Facebook likes did I get today? It's all about, uh, you, you can, you can never satisfy the little hunger. But there is the great hunger. The greatest of all hungers is hunger that allows us, enables us to seek for purpose in our life. And I needed that purpose in my life. I graduated with my undergraduate, went on to do my master's in plant pathology, which is the same field as agriculture because I had done agricultural education. And I decided I needed to take a break. I wanted to find a job. I had lived in so much poverty my whole life and I applied for a job and got accepted at a place called Little Rock, Arkansas by this organization, Hefa International. And one day, just walking in the passageway and this woman, she looks at me and she said, I think I know you. And I am thinking, I've met many women and I've met many white women, American women. I, I, I don't think I know this one. And she keeps on saying, I think I know you. And I stopped and she said, I think you come from Zimbabwe. And then it dawned on me that it was that very same woman that had inspired me to dream in my village. And now there she is. She is the CEO and president of Hefa International. 
my first trip, I went back home and I dug my buried dreams and checked going to America, checked undergraduate, checked masters, reburied those dreams, came back to the United States of America, enrolled myself at Western Michigan University and graduated with my PhD. And I remember the day that they were now going to give me that paper that says I'm a PhD holder. As I, as I was walking to receive that paper, it dawned on me that it had taken me 20 years from the day that I buried those precious dreams to the day that I am receiving this paper. I felt like a lawyer who had rested her case to herself and to the world. In my closing statement and argument was, if we give the education opportunities to those who are turned down and marginalized by the social ills of our time, they can achieve their dreams. If we believe in our dreams, if we believe in the dreams of our kids and future generations, we can redefine and reshift the baton, the ugly baton that we carry. But in the passing of that baton, my grandmother would always say, you are not a victim to think that I was born with this baton. There are two batons that we receive. There is the baton, the ugly baton, but there is also the baton of wisdom. So in our life, we have to choose which baton do we want to pick, which story do we want to tell, which story do we want to perpetuate in our life. Are we victims? And I always talk to my fellow women. You might hear my story. Some may have listened or Googled me and say, oh, poor Tererai, she must have been a victim to be married very young, exchanged for a cow, have kids, four kids before 18 years of age. And I want to say to my fellow women, my sisters out there, no, I am not a victim. I am part of the solution. I am the master and mistress of my own destiny. I refuse to let the past define who I am, and I refuse to let the current challenges in my pathway become the narrative that others use. I defied the rules of my father, and I defied the norms of my culture. I refuse to let societal expectations marginalize women and girls to deny them their dignity and I refuse to keep silent. So now I have my PhD and I'm thinking I should be happy but somehow I keep on hearing my mother's words. I only see your personal goals, your dreams will have greater meaning when they are tied to the betterment of others. Then I'm asking myself, how on earth was I going to fulfill that fifth dream, number five dream, the dream that I'm now calling the sacred dream? I decided to 
come up with my own t-shirts, design those t-shirts and have the name Tino Gona, it is achievable. The very same mantra that Joe Luck, the woman that I had met in my village had said, it is achievable, Tino Gona. And I said, I'm going to sell my t-shirts and I'm going to go home, rebuild schools, provide education to young girls, create employment platforms for women. Well, unfortunately, I only sold 20 t-shirts and mostly to my American friends. I was devastated and realized I didn't have a marketing degree. (laughs) And in those moments of my devastation, I kept on saying, dear mother, why did you make me write that fifth dream? Why can't I just be happy? And then I received a phone call, the most memorable call of my life, the call from Oprah Winfrey. And she donated 1.5 million US dollars towards that fifth dream. And today in partnership with Oprah Winfrey, I have managed to rebuild 12 schools in rural areas of Zimbabwe. We have had 39,000 kids who had gone through our school system. Of that 39,000, 19,000 are girls. In this community, none of the kids, their mothers and their grandmothers, had gone to university up until I came on board energized by this dream that I can dream bigger and I can help my community, my community never to pass on the baton. And today we are proud to have so many kids attending universities. That's what the power of dreaming does to all of us. Mm, That is so beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing that. Now, apart from having the awareness of the batons that are being passed down to us, how can we not take on those negative ones? By asking ourselves, what breaks my heart? What breaks our hearts? Because it is in those moments of our brokenness, we begin to have a yearning for something bigger than who we are. We begin to tap into our great hunger. We begin to realize that the little hungers, they don't serve us. We become slaves to the little hungers, the negative things in our life. And we are called then to pick on purpose in our life. That's what gives us joy and redemption and healing. Mm, Absolutely. How important is it, do you think, that we all stop and write down or speak out loud our dreams? How important is it for us? It is because that's what gives that's what that's what gives us meaning in our life. It is important because that's our life. Otherwise we become silenced by the negativity in our life. We become silenced 
by the small hungers in our life. We want to be awakened. And the reason why I had to write this book, The Awakened Woman, I, I realize the silencing of women is everywhere. It's not only an African silencing. Even in the Western world, women are also silenced. But when we rise and realize what is at stake, then we know we don't want to pass on this silencing to the next generation. This is what defines us. We always have to ask ourselves and ask, can we come home to ourselves? Yes, so beautiful. So beautiful. So you mentioned before, you know, it took you so many years to get your degree. You kept on getting these Fs Mm. and how did you pick yourself up every time you quote unquote failed or you fell down? Mm. Because I know that there would be so many people listening that may feel defeated right now or they may feel like they've failed. So how can we get back up as quickly as we possibly can when we hit those road bumps? Two things. Surround yourself with giants who believe in your dreams. I had my mother. She believed in my dreams. Whenever I fell, I would rise. And she would always remind me what is at stake. So when we fail, let's ask ourselves, the beauty is is not in failing, but the beauty is in how we rise and never give up. So in that rising, what is making you to rise? For me, the question has always been, I don't want to pass on the baton to my girls. It is the very thing that broke me. I didn't want to pass it on to someone. It was now the very thing that inspired me to rise despite failing. I would always rise. Mm, Beautiful. Can you share with us your dream rituals? Can you, you know, do you have any rituals that you do each day to check in with your dreams or what do you do? And also, you know, because, um, uh, you know, when I fail, I would have all these daily rituals that my grandmother taught me. And one of them was to wake up early in the morning and I would reflect on my life and asking myself, in what ways am I coming home to myself? Almost like meditation, I would do that. And now, what I do now that I know how to write, I wake up sometimes 4 a.m. every day, and I do what I call fierce writing, and I just write, and I just write. And in those writing, I am purging whatever challenges or whatever ugliness in my way, the discouragement, I am purging them. And sometimes I wash down my own soul wounding every morning by writing what's paining me. And I create my own ritual where I put all these things in in an envelope or a pouch. I create fire. And I burn all these things and say to myself, today I am creating a new plate for myself. And I always say to women, find a ritual 
a daily ritual. Make it sacred for you, something that you follow. Because rituals, they ground us. They are a point of our faith or they lead us to our faith because they are giving us that firm grounding where we can sit and say, I have done my ritual today. I am confident because you are building your confidence along the way. Mm, Beautiful. One of your missions is to provide access to quality education because you believe that education is the pathway out of poverty. So Mm. how can we help? You know, how can the listeners help can anyone make an impact in the world? Like what can we do to help? I think anyone can make an impact in the world. And I, you know, you know, people have always said, what's your next dream is you build schools and providing education. In my next dream, I always say I'm tired of digging the dirty ground and bury my dreams. I am burying my dreams in the hearts of your listeners. I'm burying my dreams in every woman and in every man who sees the value of education. Because today we talk about more than 200 million on girls worldwide who are being denied the right to education. We can do our best. I, as Tererai, I stand on the shoulders of champions, on the shoulders of giants. I don't take credit for the things that I do in life. Others looked into my eyes and others, they still say, can you stand on my shoulder? And I'm asking Please, let's allow others to stand on our shoulders. If anyone is interested to come along on this movement, they can go to our website. It's www.tererai.org. You can donate. We can do quite a lot. And, uh, you know, I just also want to say I have teamed up with Kiki K here in, in Australia and they are helping us to get more girls into universities. Mm, that is so beautiful. Yes, Christina from Kiki K has been on my podcast mm. and I actually caught up with her last week and we were talking about you and how she's off to see you very soon and I think that's really mm. beautiful that you guys have partnered together yeah. to do that. It's just amazing. Oh, it's beautiful. It's be- we have a collaboration range so uh, some of my products are in Kiki K stores so whenever anyone buys, you know, part of that funding is going towards the education. I think that's what I can do. And I am connecting my personal goals to something greater. And I think my mother was very wise because she was saying, it's not only about your personal goals in this life, neither is it about your personal financial goals in this life. It's not about the degrees and the diplomas that we post on our walls and showing the world that we hold PhDs or masters, but it is about how we connect those personal goals to the greater good. I think that's what gives us success in this life. Mm, absolutely. And your mother and your grandmother, they sound like incredible women. They were, despite the fact that they were not uh, educated, they were, you know, I tell the story of my my grandmother. My grandmother, she, you know, I remember when I was young, the people in the community and far would come and knock at her door at night and ask her to go and deliver babies. 
And she would go with me and she would deliver many babies in the community. And as she was, and without the ability to read and write, she, she knew how to prepare mothers and when they are going to have their babies, prepare them in their pregnancy. It was just so beautiful. But my grandmother, when she was getting old, she would uh, shake so badly and her eyes were failing. And she would say, baby girl, do you know why? these hands shake and do you know why these eyes are becoming blind and i'd say no say these hands they shake because these hands they delivered so many babies even though i cannot read and write but look at these hands look at these hands and these eyes are failing they are failing because these eyes have seen so many vaginas That was my beautiful, my beautiful grandmother. And I would always say, if my grandmother had had a chance of an education, if she had not been denied the right to education, my grandmother would have become one of the best gynecologists in our lifetime. Mm. Oh, that's so beautiful. Now, I'd love to hear, everybody has a different definition of success, but what do you attribute your success to? Connecting my personal goals to the greater good. Mm. Yeah, that's really beautiful. Yeah, and success is when you see others rising. As I rise, am I also rising with others? My mother used to say, here on earth, and especially women, we are climbing what I call the invisible ladder. And the invisible ladder has its own laws that we need to obey. It comes with rungs. There are other women who are at the bottom of the rung climbing, and there are other women who are at the top of the rung. The, those who are at the top of the rung of this ladder, they have the moral obligation the responsibility, the sacred calling to pull up the women at the bottom so we all rise together and enjoy life together. Mm, Yes, I love that. And when you tie a bigger reason to your dreams, it's that's what's going to drive you. That's what is going to get you out of bed every morning. And when you make mm. it about serving and helping others, yes. that's what's going to put that fire in your belly. Yes, and that's the purpose why we are here on earth, mm-hmm. to uplift one another because there are people who were born in poverty. They never chose their parents. They never chose the country where they are born. And so me, who is privileged with an education, I have that moral obligation to uplift those because it's not a choice where we are born. Mm. Yes. What is bringing you the most joy in your life right now? When I see the old men and women in my village giving priority to educate their boys and girls, seeing education as a pathway out of poverty. I get so much joy, but also I get so much joy when I realize that my own girls 
I passed on a different baton. Mm. I have a girl, she graduated with mechanical engineering and another one, she's doing biomedical sciences. And many of my kids are, do, are thriving in this world. And just to realize that I decided to choose the baton of wisdom. Ah, mm. that gives me joy. That's so beautiful. You had such a deep level of self-awareness at such a young age, which is just so beautiful to hear about. I think because uh, many of the indigenous cultures and, and Africa, we, we grew up with these wise women. We respect our ancestors because that's where we came from which is something in the Western world we are losing a lot. So being grounded, sitting around an open fire at an old age, at, at a younger age, and listening to these older women, sharing their wisdom, it grounded me. Every story that I heard when I was young, the story of great hunger, the story of the invisible ladder, they shaped who I am. So I knew about those stories when I was young. And when the message is right, it settles in your DNA and you carry that message with you. Mm, that's my dream, sitting around a campfire, mm -hmm. listening to stories and mm -hmm. wisdom. Like, that is my dream. I just love that so much. And I feel like we don't have that as much anymore. But we can. We can still yes. do that. You know, usually I, I do these events and workshops and I speak around the world and I, and I always ask women, let's reclaim our voices. I don't believe in find your voice because we already have the voice in us. But because something somehow there is a silencing that silence that voice. So I want women to reclaim their voice, to be able to sit around the open fire and pass on stories as part of healing and as part of reclaiming their voice. So they are, they are imparting their knowledge and wisdom, the ancient wisdom to their daughters and to their son. I think we have that moral obligation to do that. Mm, I love that. Absolutely. What's one thing that you're working on or would like to improve within yourself at the moment? Or oh, everything. I am, I, I, am, I am a student and I'm always learning. Uh, one thing that I learned so fast was I, I, I didn't want to carry charity in the traditional, charity work in the traditional manner because it has crippled us in third world countries. We are always receiving grants without the skills to learn how to operate our mission and our vision in a business manner. So I am learning all that to say, if I want to feed my mission, if I want to uplift and educate more girls, I have to operate or I have to create a business model that can help me to carry this work forward. 
and I'm always learning. And in the Western world, women, many women are, are thriving because they understand the business model. And so I have many friends that help me to understand that as well. Mm, that's beautiful. And being a student for life is my motto, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now let's pretend you have a magic wand and you could put one book in the school curriculum of every single high school around the world. Now besides your books, let's pretend that they're already in the curriculum. What is one other book that you would choose? Maybe I would choose Christina Carlson's book, Your Life Begins. I mean, it's a beautiful book. It's about energizing kids to dream. Mm, I love that. It's it's such it's such a you know, because I think one thing that we we have messed up as a society is to deny our kids to dream. Mm. Absolutely. Your life begins here, Christina's book. For me, because it's all about children. So if I can, if I can empower kids to dream, wow, that's, that's beautiful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But there are so many other books that I read. I I think I tend to read three, four books. (laughs) At one time, I'm reading all kinds of books, but a book that talks about dreaming, it's a powerful book for me because we are creating a future for this generation. Mm, Yes, beautiful. Now let's talk about how your day looks. And I want to hear about your morning routine because I love hearing about how people prime themselves for the day, how they set themselves up and what little rituals they do. So can you share yours with us? So every morning, if I'm not doing the fierce writing, which I normally do from 4 a.m., to about uh, five, I do uh, one hour of fierce writing. That's just purging myself and asking myself, what baton am I passing today? And what baton do I want to receive today? Because every day there's negativity, but there's also excitement. And one of the rituals that I do is I wake up with an excitement, with an expectation. And if I don't do those things in my morning, I I feel horrible the whole day. And I know I'm missing, it's almost like missing my cup of tea. And then after five, I do my, my yoga before I get my yogurt. That's a ritual that I do. But I also do other bigger rituals in my life. But those are kind of like my daily thing. And when I'm traveling, if I don't do my 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 my, my ritual, I I feel lousy. So I always try. Sometimes I I am flying. I'll go into that bathroom, and I make sure that I don't take too much space, and just do my little ritual in that bathroom and come and sit on my seat and I feel energized. I think rituals, our daily rituals should be a must for everyone to ground our souls, to be able to come home to ourselves. Mm, That's so beautiful. I absolutely agree. I have things that I do in the morning that really set me up for the day. One of those is 
a 20 minute meditation that mm-hmm. I just love doing. Like mm-hmm. that for me is like my reset. And it's the mm-hmm. first thing I do when I wake up and I just love it so much. Mm-hmm. It's just like a warm hug. It's so beautiful. Yeah. And, and you said it's so beautiful, a reset, because you have to reset your day every day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. Absolutely. Another thing I do in the morning is I always say with my husband, we say three things that we're grateful for mm. when we're in bed. So I'd love to hear what are three things you're most recently grateful for? You know, I, I am grateful that I have all these friends in my life. But I'm also grateful recently, you know, I, uh, I got a statue, a life-size statue. And I have no idea where that came from. So I am grateful for those kinds of recognition. And I'm also grateful for my health because it allows me to do the work that I do. So beautiful. Now I have three rapid fire questions for you. Are you ready? (laughs) I'll try. (laughs) (laughs) What's one thing that we can do today for our health? Laughter. Mm, Yes, it's the best medicine ever. And share that laughter with others. Yes. And be able to look into someone's eyes and say, I see you. I hear you. Mm. Mm, So beautiful. And what's one thing that we can do today for more wealth in our life? So more abundance in all areas of our life. You know, sometimes when we walk around, we are so consumed in our own thoughts. And I would encourage your listeners, I would encourage everyone to be intentional and be able to look into someone's eyes and greet them and just say something that enriches our life. So beautiful. And what's one thing that we can do for more love in our life? Love more. (laughs) (laughs) We can love, we can love more. We can hug each other more. We can do things. We can do voluntary work. We can help others. We can go to our schools and ask the question, how can I save today? We can go to an elderly person. What can I do for you? Yeah. This has been so beautiful. And I want to know if there's anything else that you want to share or any last parting words of wisdom or anything that you wanted to talk about that I didn't ask you about. I think you've asked everything, but I, you know, for the Australian community and the world at large, I would say, can we learn more from the First Nations? They've always said, humankind is not woven the web of life. We are but one thread within it. Whatever we do to the web, we do it to ourselves. All things are bound together. All things are connected. Our very survival is connected to the survival of others. Thank you. Mm, So beautiful. 
I'm a huge believer like you in service Mm. and you give so much. You have such a big, beautiful heart and I wish I could give you a big hug right now, but I want to know how I can serve you and how can the listeners serve you? What can we do to give back to you? You know, they can go to our website, uh, the www.tererai.com if there are women's organizations that would love me to come and speak, I can come and speak. And uh, if they want to uh, provide funding for educating more kids, they can do that. So there are so many ways that they can save. But I also want to ask, how can I save anyone who thinks that I have something of value that I can give to the world. Mm, You sure do. That's for sure. Thank you so much. And we will link to everything in the show notes, your books, your website, everything, so that people can go and check it out. Terai, this has been so beautiful. And I'm so grateful that we were able to connect and just for you sharing all of your wisdom with us today. There are so many nuggets of wisdom that Mm. I have got out of this that I'm going to take out into my life. And especially, you know, the passing on of the batons, like what am I passing on? What am I choosing to pass on today? What am I giving? And it's just a really beautiful reminder and You've also reminded me to check in with my dreams and to make sure that they are connected with a higher purpose of service to others. So thank you so much for being here, for sharing your wisdom with us today and for all the amazing work that you do in the world. I'm so grateful. And I now know why Oprah said you are her favorite guest. Thank you very much. You know, I'm also grateful Oprah did the forward uh, for my book, The Awakened Woman. And I wish if I could place this book in the hands of everyone in the world, uh, it comes with all the nuggets of the wisdom that I've been sharing with you. Oh, thank you. Yes, everyone go out and get that and we'll link to it in the show notes. But thank you again so much. I'm so grateful and so honored to have this time with you today. Thank you very much. Thank you. Wow. I loved today's conversation. I could have spoken to her for so long. I got so much out of it. I feel so inspired. And if you do too, please subscribe and leave me a five-star review in iTunes or on your podcast app, because that means that we can inspire and educate even more people together. And it also means that you could potentially be the review of the week for next week, which is pretty awesome. And don't forget to come and follow me on Instagram at Melissa Ambrosini and tell me your top key takeaways from this episode. I love reading them all and reading what you guys get out of these episodes. It means the world to me to hear your insights. And also for everything that we mentioned in today's episode, you can check out in the show notes. And that is over at melissarambrosini.com forward slash 251. And you can also listen to all my other episodes there too. And before I go, I just wanted to say thank you so much for being here, for wanting to be the best, the healthiest and the happiest version of yourself and for showing up today for you. You rock. 
Now, if there's someone in your life that you can think of that would really benefit from this episode, please be an angel and share it with them right now. You can take a screenshot, share it on your social media. You can email it to them. You can text it to them. Just do whatever you've got to do to get this in their ears. And until next time, my darling, don't forget that love is sexy, healthy is liberating, and wealthy isn't a dirty word.